Hey, fellas, it's Austin from Airdrie, Alberta. Hope you guys are having a healthy and hydrated year so far. I just want to share a quick story with you about the time my buddy and I met uh, Elliot in Las Vegas. So uh, my friend's parents won uh, VIP stay in Vegas to watch the Golden Knights draft their team. And during the NHL awards ceremony, my friend and I booked our hotel and flights and followed them into as many VIP events as that we could sneak our way into without any passes. But that night when we were on the strip, we see Elliot and David Amber hanging out. So we go over to introduce ourselves and, you know, thank them for all they do and whatever else a bunch of starstruck lads would do. But unbeknownst to us, Elliot had already spoken to my friend's dad for a while. And so when my friend said his name, uh, Elliot said, ah, so you must work at this Canadian airline, just like your mother, Angela. <laughs> like absolute surreal moment. Just we were stunned. But like, why? Yes, NHL insider Elliot Friedman, you nailed it. Definitely, definitely a pretty sick moment. But anyway, stay safe, stay warm. You do your thing. <laughs> so that is Austin in Alberta, Elliot. That's a little surprise, courtesy of our producer Emil Delich. Uh, you being essentially the, uh, how should we say, Canadian airline insider as well as NHL hockey insider. How about that? Well, I'm just glad that Austin clarified that I'd spoken to his dad beforehand because that story could have gone in a lot of different directions. As a matter of fact, I was kind of grimacing as I was listening to this because I was thinking, where is this going and could this end very badly? But I'm I'm happy it didn't. Speaking of travel, we're going to get to that in a couple of seconds here. I guess there are there are worse places to be stranded in than sunny Florida. However, Elliot is not stranded in sunny Florida. He's stranded in rainy Florida. That story in a moment. Welcome to 32 Thoughts, the podcast presented by GMC and the new Sierra AT4X. Now, coming up on today's program, we're going to talk about the All-Star Weekend that just came and went. We'll talk about Sidney Crosby and did he just save the playoffs We'll talk about the Washington Capitals opening the uh, ATM machine for a couple of forwards. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks opening up some significant cap space. And you will hear from Elias Pettersson. Elliot, this is part of our 32 Thoughts Beach Interview Series. And folks, stay tuned. Elliot does ask if there's a problem with JT Miller. But first, what is your situation? We're supposed to be doing this at our respective homes. I'm at my place in you know lovely Stouffville. Where are you right now? I, I'm looking at the beach, and it's not raining anymore, Jeff. It's gotten a little bit nicer, but uh, my flight today, which was uh, supposed to leave uh, Florida, sunny Fort Lauderdale, at 11:05, uh, was initially delayed till 1:20, and then it was canceled. So uh, Glenn Healy and a lot of the NHL alumni were on that flight. Uh, Greg Sansoni, one of our executives, was on that flight. So uh, it looks like we're going on Monday morning. We will see. But I, I have to say, I can say this because Steph really doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm not hugely complaining about this, I have to say. <laughs> well, you know what people love to hear? Media people complaining about air travel. Yes. People love when we complain about air travel, especially on Twitter. 
but we'll save you all from that. Okay, so uh, I just ran down so a couple of things we're talking about today uh, on the program. Also, at some point, I'm going to ask you about the National Hockey League Players Association and where they're at with their search, how they started voting, etc. Before we get to everything that was All-Star Weekend, we got to go over the headline of the day. Sunday afternoon, we get the word the Bo Horvat contract extension with the Islanders is done. It is eight years, $68 million, good for an AAV of 8.5 million you know i kind of thought this was going to come in eight times eight nice little tidy 64 not so fast 8.5 for the former captain of the vancouver canucks your thoughts well first of all i'd like to thank lou lamorello pat morris and everyone involved here for ruining my sunday afternoon massage after (laughs) i got so uh, kept here for an extra day I decided I was going to book a quick massage, and I was literally walking into the room when it broke. Of course, you have to try to get the AAV because we know Lamorello's not going to tell us. So it ruined it. I think they, I should either be reimbursed or bought a new one. You did see the Lamorello quote or hear the Lamorello well, quote of, well, all I can tell you is it's too long and it's too much money. So <laughs> 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 that, that's, I mean, you want the truth? No, no, no. <laughs> well, well, that that was going to lead into my next point. Is, next question. How, 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 it's too long and too much money. And everyone had the Ilya Kovalchuk, New Jersey Devil flashbacks <laughs> there when he, uh, when he jokingly referred to that. Anyhow, continue. Yeah, so I don't think anybody is hugely surprised by this. Um, on Friday night when we showed the Horvat interview, he was gracious to do with us while we were at the All-Star game. You know, when we came out, Ron and I talked about how the word was, that the serious talks were underway, and uh, they were really going to try to get this done. You know, I, I, I can't say I'm surprised. I thought it would be 8 times 8 too, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the Islanders' uh, hope. But eight times eight and a half, I mean, I've been saying now for months that that was the area of Horvat's market value. Ever since the two deals in St. Louis with Thomas and Cairo, Bo Horvat comes out. He has a huge season. He's on a 50-goal pace. He's a number one center in the National Hockey League. You know, that's what these guys cost. That's what their market value is. And so I'm not surprised at all. You know, as Lamorello said, he got Horvat with the intent to sign him. I always believed that that was the goal. And honestly, Jeff, another reason that I wouldn't be surprised if he signed now is that he's going from one of the NHL's most intense, passionate, and crazy markets to a quieter place. And if you think about everything that happened this last year or so in Vancouver, and obviously how crazy this year was, and how relieved he was that this trade is over, I would bet that going from the noise of Vancouver to the relative quiet of Long Island was something that appealed to him a great deal. So I look at that and I think that absolutely has to be a factor. And you know, the other thing too is, I just think a family guy like Horvat, he doesn't want to go twice. And I can't tell you how many, uh, in the last couple of weeks, how many guys have talked to me about that, about one of the worst things about being a trade deadline rental is you basically go in three different cities in a very short time. Yep. It's not fun for everyone, especially when you have a family. And I'm not surprised Horvat would look at this and say, I'm very happy to do it. 
Uh, I want to get to what this means for the rest of the market, most notably Dylan Larkin, but park that for one second here. Um, you know, we have said from the get-go, Lamarillo doesn't do this unless he thinks that he can get the player extended. You know, one of the things that people have pointed at here, and this might just be a matter of priority, and, and Elliot, I'm very much of the mind that, what did we talk about a couple of weeks ago? Uh, no team ever said, well, the problem was we couldn't win because we had too many centers. Yeah. Specifically, if you have the shot to get a center, whether it's your, whether it's the, the number one need when you go to the grocery store or not, you go and you get that center. Put yourself as much as you can in the mind of Lou Lamorello. Mm -hmm. Like, we've looked at this Islanders team and said, you know, down the middle, this team's okay. Like, I know they struggled at the beginning of the season. Like, look, no one at the center position has scored any goals. That's corrected itself. But we wondered about, you know, what are they going to do with wingers, for example? Is, is that going to be the next, you know, target here for Lou Lamorello? He goes for the center. As much as you can, put yourself in Lamorello's mind. What is he thinking here? Well, you know, well, one thing I, I, I think is if you watch the scrum, the same one where he said that line, it's, it's too long <laughs> and it's too much money. Yeah. He's also asked about cap space in the future because in a year they're going to have to do Sorokin, which is going to be a, a big, big number the way that's going. And he said, I'm not worried about, you know, down the line. I'm worried about well. today. Uh, we'll just worry about today right now. I'm sure we'll find a way. What that says to me is that the New York Islanders in this beautiful new building, they don't want to rebuild right now. There's always a big debate. It happens all around this league. How do you feel about rebuilding? When do you rebuild? I think there's a legitimate argument to be made here that the Islanders, after missing the playoffs by 20 points last year and struggling to be in the race this year at times, and they're an older team, might want to think about rebuilding their group. Well, they're not doing that. They've committed to Barzell, which I thought was a great move and a very important move for the fan base. And now they've committed to Horvat. These two guys are going to lead them for years to come. And if you think they're going to intentionally go out to uh, rebuild or, or, or tank or anything like that, this is a message that that's not going to happen. And what it says to me is that they will go Barzell, Horvat, Dobson, Pellick, Pulak, and the goalie Sorokin as a key part of the next generation of Islanders. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what they do around them. That's what this says to me. You know, the other thing that someone said to me was, they have a really good combo in Sorokin-Varlamov. I'm very curious about whether or not they're going to be able to keep Varlamov now. And he's been good for them. Uh, he has. He's 34 years old. He makes $5 million. We wondered about him last season with various teams. Uh, Edmonton was one of those teams we wondered about. Yeah. He's on an expiring contract. You're right. It is a really good tandem. He hits the market. There would be interest, obviously. I'm not sure about about this one at all. Like I, This is one of those situations in the league that I look at and I say, I'm not sure how this one plays itself out. This is, you know, the great complimentary goaltenders for each other, both having really good seasons as well. Varlamov is 34, Sorokin is 27. If you're Varlamov, are you not tempted because, you know, you don't have many more swings at this thing mm -hmm. to finish up making your money here. And if they're going to pay Sorokin what Sorokin is going to earn, and now mm -hmm. Barzell enters a new stratosphere next season, so does Bo Horvat. How much money are you looking at? If you're looking at re-signing Semyon Varlamov and bringing him back, how much are we looking at here? That's that's going to be a haircut, Elliot, if he stays. Yes, it would be. I mean, it's going to come down to, does in any way, does he say, you know what, I like it here, I like the fit here, I've made money, what's the most you can give me? 
I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but that's the only way I think it can happen. Back to Horvat quickly, just for the sake of hockey talk, do you think that if Horvat hit the market, and we've talked about teams that may have question marks about their centers next season, we don't know what's happening with the top two centers for the Boston Bruins. We don't know what's happening with Sean Couturier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any way that Horvat could have had a contract that started with a nine? If he had a big finish this year and there was a dearth of centers available, yeah, I absolutely think he could have. I, I totally do. But I think he liked the fact that the Islanders made the play for him. Yeah. I think he liked the idea of being in the Eastern Conference closer to his family. You know what really helped the Islanders here was having all the All-Stars there, like having Brock Nelson there, mm. having Sorokin there. I'll tell you who else is good too, and it's, it's a guy that you and I know a little bit from dealing with him. It's the person who leads their media relations department, Kimber Auerbach, who's been there a long time. Yeah, All these guys had their families there. I actually I shouldn't say that. I don't know if Sorokin did. But um, Nelson did, and, and Auerbach did, and the timing was really good for the Islanders because Brock Nelson could sit down and his family could sit down with the Horvats, and they could talk about life in New York. For Auerbach, it's not a player, but he's been with the organization for a long time, and the players really trust him, and he's got his family there, Mm -hmm. and they can talk to the Horvats too. I think that was fortuitous for New York. Okay. Everyone who's a Detroit Red Wings fan listening to this podcast right now is thinking one question. Mm -hmm. What does this contract mean for Dylan Larkin? See, I think Dylan Larkin, and and, and we talked about this on Friday after media day, I think Dylan Larkin truly does want to be a Detroit Red Wing. I think he's invested a lot in them. Mm-hmm. He's from there. Uh, he's the captain of the team. I think he's coming to the realization that if he's going to resign in Detroit, it's not going to be at the same number he could get somewhere else. Like I think now, especially with Horvat off the market, centers are hard to find. There's going to be teams out there that want centers. I think he could easily make more money on an AAV. Don't forget, Detroit will have the advantage of the eighth year unless they trade him. He can make more money on an AAV outside of Detroit than he can make in it. I I think that he understands that now. What someone said to me this week was, tell me the team that Dylan Larkin would rather play for than Detroit. And I think that that's kind of going to be the question here. Anybody who's at a negotiation, okay, you know what it's like when you're not getting everything you want. At some point in time, you have to sit there and say, okay, this is as far as I'm going to take the other side. Is that going to make me walk away? So the closing scene of Reservoir Dogs, essentially, this is the standoff. Uh, one side well, saying, this I, I is this is the money. The same way. <laughs> well, it was very stylistic violence, though. Like, it really was kind of cool. Though. Yeah. But it, it, this is one side saying, this is what we have for you. And the other side saying, listen, this is not enough. And I have the power to walk away. To which the other side says, this is the money we have for you. Almost calling bluff. I, I think that's it. And, you know, the one thing here I kind of look at it is... Like someone said to me, you know, like Horvat's not a big point guy. And he doesn't have as many points as some other guys who make that kind of money. And like, again, my argument to that is it doesn't matter. It's what the market dictates. It's the scarcity. 
And there is a scarcity of top centers. It's the same thing I said about quarterback. The position he plays and the role he plays makes him a guy who can hit it big in the market. And the other thing I, I really think, too, is like in Detroit, they won Stanley Cups with two centers. Oh, yeah. Like that's who could have had 150 points every year if he wanted to. Zetterberg, I think he got 100 points once. Now, Jeff, you're telling me that I'm completely insane and I'm wrong and my memory's terrible and most of the other guys are 92. Hockey geek pushes up glasses. Uh, actually, Elliot, it was 92. <laughs> actually, I like that meme. Whenever I see that, I always laugh my head off. Actually. Uh, yeah, I thought he had 100 once. But, you know, but hang on a second. Your point about Datsuk and Zetterberg, like, I'm with you. The value there is, we've talked about this before. Not only were Zetterberg and Datsuk the best offensive players for the Detroit Red Wings, they're both the best defensive players. Yeah. You have to try really hard to lose a line matchup when you when you have Zetterberg and Datsuk. Like, it's next to impossible. Yes. Like, think of that luxury, tapping those two guys. Any situation, go. 13, go. 40, go. Like, how do you lose in that scenario? You, well, obviously, you, you don't. The other thing, too, is like Larkin's not a big point guy like some of the other guys who are getting paid. But, you know, if he plays the two-way strong two-way game, that gives Detroit the best chance to win. All right. Time to beat 18.147 of Nikita Kucherov. Off to a good start. Two for two. Look at Brock Nelson. Four for four. 8.497. And that's the highlight of the night so far. This guy's pretty good. You know, the great ones can just sort of write their own script, can't they? He said, I'm going to stay out of the fastest skater, let somebody else do it. I think this is a year where I should focus on this. And man, when he focuses on things, it's just incredible. You know, we're in Florida. You're still there. We'll open up with some wide brush thoughts. I mean, I know a lot of people groused about it. Some things that people really didn't like. Other things people thought was interesting or curious or liked the attempt to be different, but the execution could have been fill in the blank. How did you see the weekend? Well, first of all, I consider the weekend an enormous success because it was 30 below in Toronto and it was 30 above in Fort Lauderdale. So mm. I hope everybody understands that that 60-degree swing in favor of where I was as opposed to where I wasn't made the entire weekend a success in my books. However, I do agree that uh, there needs to be some changes here. And I think for the people who legitimately were unhappy with the way everything played out, I believe some people in real positions of power feel the same way that uh, we need to fix this. I think you're going to see some serious attempts at how do we make this better? And one of the reasons I think is that, um, you know, Toronto, that All-Star game in 2000, of all the All-Star games I've ever been to, that was the quietest one ever. Yeah. And one of the reasons was it was, at that time, it was North America against the world. And Curtis Joseph was playing for the North American team and Matt Sundin and I, if I remember correctly, Dmitry Yuskevich were playing for the world team and like the crowd just didn't know who to cheer for. So if they don't come up with something, we're going to have a really quiet crowd next year and nobody wants that. So I have some ideas. I don't know if there's anything you want to say first 
but I have some ideas. You know what they should do? You know, all-star games used to be, right? It used to be the defending Stanley Cup champion against the all-stars pulled together from all the other teams. Mm -hmm. Considering how everybody hates Toronto, why don't you just make the all-star game the Maple Leafs versus the rest of the NHL all-stars? It's the entire... (laughs) Are you predicting the Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup this year, Jeff? No, I'm not. I'm just playing on the hatred that everybody has about Toronto around the uh, the rest of the NHL. So it's essentially the Maple Leafs versus the all-stars from 31 teams. How about that? That's the first dumb idea I'll lob out there. Okay, so I, I have a few things here that I, I, I want to discuss and where I thought the problems were and, and some ideas I have to fix them. Number one, this is a sponsor event. There were a lot of people who were not in their seats, okay? Mm-hmm. That has to be fixed. Now, we joke, Jeff, about the Jameson's bar that uh, the Panthers started. Did you finally go, by the way? Hang on, just quickly. Yes, did you finally did. get there? You would yeah, not stop talking about this thing. <laughs> I know. It was, it, was, it was really nice, I have to say. It's very nice. But some people were in there. There was a good chunk of people in there as opposed to watching the skills. There's nothing that looks worse for your product than when the, the TV comes up at whatever time it was. I guess it was 6, 30, 7 o'clock on Friday night. And people looking on TV are like, there's nobody sitting there. Well, hang on then. It's a good thing they're going to Toronto because the Maple Leafs have never had that problem at all. (laughs) Believe me, this is the first (laughs) thing I was thinking about. You have to tell your sponsors, you guys got to be in your seats. If you don't want to go or you want to hang around in a suite or a club or something like that inside the building, well, let us know and we'll put some people in your seats. Yeah. Number two, the show needs to start with a bang. Like, I actually thought the end of the skills competition was the best part of the night. The hardest shot, and I really liked the accuracy. Well, you had the first Battle of Alberta last year in the playoffs. First time since 1991. It'd be a much different one if you got Kadri now in the mix going up against McDavid if they can possibly do it again. Should mention Daniel Sedin, 8.9 in 2011. So here we go. McDavid's not going to miss. Three for three again. One more. Double clutch, but no mistake. 10.6. Kadri, 10.13. Kadri got it first, I think. Yeah. And McDavid handled it a couple of times, making sure, trying to get the last one. And as that was going on, your eyes are going both ways. Like McDavid went perfect and he lost. I think that would have been a big deal and a really fun thing that would have gone viral and really captured a lot of attention, but it was too late in the night. They had lost the momentum. So I think what you have to do is you have to do something right away that says to people, we're in this. And here's my idea. By the way, just as a quick aside, yeah. I'm just thinking of my own history, and one of the best shows I ever saw mm-hmm. was Phil Collins at Exhibition Stadium. Okay? Mm-hmm. Guess which song he opened with. Uh, in the air tonight. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, right away, the biggest mega hit, bam, captures everybody and chester thompson on the drums was fantastic but i know exactly what you're talking about come out and grab them because you know what happens like it started too slow between the fastest skater competition and then marner did his one breakaway attempt dude bitchy come on man you know i got you bro 
Dude, it's a big night tonight, man. I, you know I got you. I know. We're in Florida, though. You know what I need again. Bro, Mitchie, relax. I told you I got you, man. I got you. You ready? Check this out. And things just kind of stalled right there. And then, you know what happens? People start killing it on social media. Yeah. And then it becomes the cool thing to do, which is add to the pile on, right? You got to start big. And here's my idea. So when we were still at the airport on Monday morning before our flight got canceled, somebody told me that they heard that there were a few players on the bench saying they missed the draft. And this goes to another thing I have to say here. I think what the league has to do to the players is say, you guys have to arrange the all-star weekend, the skills. It's clear we're not getting a ton of buy-in from players. Mm -hmm. Some of the players really care. Like McDavid obviously cared. And Kadri obviously cared. I saw a lot of complaints that the players weren't really going that hard. On some level, you're not going to get a competitive game, and I understand all that. But the thing is, it has to be impressed upon the players that this is something you have to care about to sell the game. Like Eddie Hall, one of our top producers, he told me that generally the skills competition outdraws the all-star game. Mm -hmm. So that's something that people want to watch. It has to be told to the players, you guys have to give us a better effort than we're getting. And then as part of that, I think the players should be asked, what do they want as part of this? I heard there were three or four players who said they liked the draft. All right, bring back the draft. So next year on the Friday night in Toronto, I think you open the show with the draft. And you do it live on the ice for everyone to see it. You remember why they didn't like it. Because someone has to get picked last. Oh, come on. Like, you know what? Like, seriously. No, dude, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I do not want to hear this. Elliot, all I'm saying is that's their problem with it. I don't care. I think it's fine. Someone's going to be last. whoop de doo Someone's last at a regular draft. I don't care if it hurts someone's feelings. I'm with you. Well, too bad. This is pro sports. I'm just saying that yeah. is the sensitivity. And you know that that is a sensitivity that's out there. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous because someone's got to go last. And like, we're still seeing pictures of Phil Kessel, right? Like who that's going to exist in hockey infamy, but that is the resistance right there. Phil Kessel, since that happened, has had two Stanley Cup rings and made $60 million. Like, I, I think he's okay. Like in two weeks, I think the NBA is doing a draft for their teams. So what I'm doing is I'm starting with the draft right away. Everybody gets into it. People will like it. It's a good show. Then when you have to take everything off the ice so you can do the skills, and this is Kathy Broderick, another one of our producers came up with this idea, and I really like it. You pre-tape the fastest skater. You have it done in advance. First of all, the Makar injury, you can't do it that way anymore. Yeah. We're just taking too many risks, okay? So what you do is you take the players out earlier in the day or the day before or however you want to do it. You take out your fastest skater people and you do it on like a frozen lake or on a track, but you do it straight away. It is speed. It's 60 meters or whatever it is or however you want to do it. It's pure speed. And the winner is the person who get not the time, but the person who gets the fastest average. And you pre-tape it and you pre-package it 
It gives you one last thing you have to do mm-hmm. uh, around on the ice. So you go draft, free tape, fastest skater. Then you do your hardest shot. You do your uh, accuracy shooting, which I, I really liked. And the other thing is it's got to be done in two or two and a half hours. Now, Eddie, who's a programmer, he said it's got to be two and a half because you need commercial time. But I, I think two to two and a half hours is the sweet spot. But that's what I'm doing next year. I'm starting off with the draft. I'm pre-packaging the fastest skater. Then I'm doing hardest shot and accuracy. And if you want to do something else, like another producer, Jeff Giardotti, had a hilarious idea. He says, you put all the players in the path and see if they can actually get where they're supposed to be going. People who live in Toronto will understand that. <laughs> but, that is pretty good. Or you do something else that's specific to Toronto. I, I don't know. That's the way I'm starting let me throw one more thing at you when it comes to hardest shot, when it comes to accuracy shooting, and when it comes to fastest skater. I think there should also be outside of the players who are there, because this is essentially the skills performed by the all-stars who are selected. Mm-hmm. Okay, This isn't necessarily the specialists at all, but a lot of teams do individual skill competitions. Some of them you know, are pretty good draws for teams. Mm-hmm. I think there should be one wild card in all of those events. So while Martin Natchez may not make it to the all-star, might not be you know voted in or selected, Martin Natchez at the Carolina Hurricanes skills competition if he hits a certain time that's better than everybody else at their individual skill competitions, he gets an automatic berth into the all-star fastest skater. Mm-hmm. Ditto for player X for hardest shot. I'm good with that. Whomever that. It's not necessarily an all-star player who's competing. It is someone who is a specialist, but it does throw that element of there's a wild card competitor in here, and this is this player's specialty. I like that. I always have. Okay. So now that the All-Star Weekend is solved, <laughs> let's move on to our next part. Uh At the All-Star Weekend, we heard plenty of things from the commissioner, Gary Batman. Yep. Uh, he talked about, well, he did mention Toronto um, next season hosting the All-Star Game. He talked about international hockey and that schedule and work with the IIHF specifically. He talked about the cap and he talked about the number of groups interested in the Ottawa Senators, 15 or so, have filed official applications of all the things you heard the commissioner talk about what was the uh, the juiciest for you I, I don't know that there was anything that was particularly juicy this whole thing with the playoffs and the schedule you know we talked that there was a plan out there that would increase the season to 84 games to, to increase the number of rivalries and that's kind of been out there since the last gm's meeting And we were hoping that it would be on the table at the GM meeting that will be coming up after the trade deadline in March. Well, that ties in with the whole playoff thing. One of the things that's going to be kind of interesting about this is the players have to approve any of these changes, right? Mm -hmm. Like if they go from 82 games to 84, they change the playoff system. It's never that simple, as you know. And also, too, we're in a point here where we could be getting a new NHLPA head soon. Like, it's not as simple as the league says, you want to go to 84 games and switch the playoff system, and the players say yes. It always becomes a push and pull. Like, what do we get out of this? What what are the repercussions of, of going to the players with this? And somebody told me that they're not convinced that Bettman wants to have this conversation. 
Now, I think one of the things that will be a conversation is shortening the exhibition season. I think they feel the players don't need as many games. As I told you, I think there's a lot of teams talking about injuries. So I wonder if that becomes a conversation out of, let's cut the exhibition season. Do we do anything with the extra time? But a couple people said to me, they're just not convinced that the playoff thing and the schedule thing, they're just not convinced that Bettman's going to want to have the what are we doing in exchange for going to 84 games and switching the playoffs? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's a conversation he wants to have right now, which is probably the biggest issue out of all of this. What did you make when uh, when Crosby spoke out about it, when asked if he was in favor of 1-8? to eight? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I like 1-8 to eight just because I think if, you know, the regular season is as difficult as it is, teams should be rewarded and I guess that's probably the best way you can be rewarded even though there isn't a ton of difference um you know I I like I like that version I don't have a problem with it like I like the fact that he gave his honest answer you know I think the thing is that initially when we went to this setup it was the players who said who didn't like the idea of what happens if for example the fifth place team in one division uh, has a better record than the fourth place team in another division. Like the players brought that up. And like that wild card thing, it came up because of that. Like, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm a big play in guy. I want a play in. I think it should be there. I don't understand why the commissioner is so against it, but he is. That's just a fact of life. Last year's Eastern Conference was not your friend. Yes, no, that one hurt me. When 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 nine and ten were twenty points out, like that was that was bad. That was tough. He'll wave that in our face for a long, long time. <laughs> like that's what's going to happen. For example, say we switch out a wild card and we go to one versus eight, people are going to be saying, "Well, like let's just say in the West, the ninth place team might have ten more points than." number eight in the East, and and people are going to complain about that. Like, there's always going to be issues, right? I mean, it doesn't bother me. To me, wildcard are one versus eight. I'm going C. I'm going with give me more teams, give me a play-in, but it doesn't look like I'm going to win that argument. But again, like, Crosby, if that's his opinion, I'm, I'm happy he shared it. You know, we've talked a lot about things that the NHL, well, all sports leagues do now in light of all the money that's been lost during COVID. Mm -hmm. And there are things, whether it's rink board advertising, and we all know how that's, you know, working out right now for for some people, ads on jerseys, et cetera, all all things that were ushered in simply because of the amount of losses that the NHL incurred over COVID. So I'm going to throw out something that I think you and I have talked about before. As a matter of fact, I'm sure we've talked about before, which could be a tent pole property could raise a lot of money and a lot of interest in the playoffs if and this goes back to the previous point about you know let's not hurt anybody's feelings if everybody puts their feelings aside on this one the idea of choose your opponent in the playoffs you're the first place team you pick first you're the second place team you pick second are you going to choose it based on who you think is inferior who you have the best record against base it on travel whatever you tell me that wouldn't be one of, if not the most watched NHL property of the season. Yeah. 16 teams deciding who they face in the opening round. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. Like, I've really grown to embrace it. I don't know that I see that happening anytime soon. 
you know, actually, you know, I wanted to say, like, someone said to me, did it bother you? What that Zegers tweeted out the emoji of a person sleeping, right? Yeah. I said, no, no, it doesn't bother me. I mean, it's his opinion. Like, you know, Zegers is, uh, he's rapidly becoming an influential guy in terms of reaction to him, right? Mm -hmm. You know, both good and bad. But he came out and he gave that emoji and people were like, are you mad about that? And I'm like, no, I, I'm very happy to see someone give their opinion, even if it may not be 100% positive of the, of the broadcast I'm working on. I'm not offended by it. I'm not upset about it, but I don't work at the NHL. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I could see some people in the league being upset at that one. Okay, so moving along, that was the All-Star Weekend. Um, thanks for all the hospitality uh, in Florida. Yeah. And thanks for keeping Elliot away and out of our hair for one more day. <laughs> Listen to 32 Thoughts, the podcast, ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Washington Capitals. Uh, we've talked previously about this team will always try to ice as competitive a team as possible. There will be no rebuild until Alex Ovechkin gets the Gretzky record. Uh, mm -hmm. And over the weekend, they signed two forwards, Dylan Strome, to the five-year $25 million deal. Uh, that is an AAV of $5 million, although this contract is a little bit front-loaded. And Sonny Milano gets the three-year $5.7 million deal, AAV on this one, yep. $1.9 million. It was about five minutes ago he was with the Calgary Flames on a tryout. Elliot, about five minutes ago he was in Calgary. Also front-loaded contracts. It's something that we talked about on a previous podcast. The players know what the escrow is going to be for the next couple of years yep. and trying to get as much as they can during that time when the escrow is capped at 6%. It's not as much of a deal in Milano's contract, but I thought it was interesting that one was front-loaded too. The interesting thing there is, you know, the Capitals have a lot of decisions to make all up and down their lineup. It's kind of interesting to see that they prioritize the forwards first because they only have one defenseman signed beyond this year. But I think Strom's been a perfect fit. As you know, Jeff, I, I was calling right around January 1st to see if they uh, were starting the conversations because it just made perfect sense that Strom would stick in, in Washington because stylistically it's worked very well for him there. I'm not surprised about that one at all. And Milano's number, I mean, it's that's a number that's not going to cause you any problems. And he's obviously been a good fit there. What this says to me is that Washington, they said that both agents, Pat Morris and Rich Evans, they were quoted as saying that the talks began, you know, right around New Year's or just before. I think that says to you that, you know, Washington is trying to see what's our business. We know what we have to do. We need to know what we can do. And you know, I, I think the next few weeks are going to be interesting for a lot of people. But I'm wondering what the Capitals are going to do if some of these players remain unsigned going into the trade deadline. That's going to be a fascinating one for them. 
Speaking of trade deadline, a couple of teams have opened up some cap space here, uh, albeit for, we believe, different reasons uh, if one of them decides to use this cap space. Max Pacioretty goes from IR to LTIR, so $7 million new dollars of cap space suddenly exists for the um, Carolina Hurricanes, and the Vancouver Canucks do same with Ilya Mikheyev. He's now on long-term. That adds just under $5 million, like 4.75 of newfound cap space for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I would imagine that one is looking to add, and the other, you know, Vancouver could use this in a, I guess the term is weaponize your cap space. Mm-hmm. You know, they could very much use this as a weapon to be a, a third team to uh, to help enable trades. I think Vancouver is going to be an interesting one because I think they still got a lot of balls in the air. Uh, look, I, I think that they really like the fact, and so did the player like the fact, that the Horvat deal didn't have to wait another month. I think Vancouver liked that too. Like, just it's one thing that's now in the rearview mirror. They don't have to keep talking about it all the time. And I think that's kind of going on with Besser too. I, I think the Canucks have kind of let it be known that, you know, they would like to get this business done. I think the player would like to get the business done. As we've reported, the agent has permission to work with this here. I think there is a legitimate attempt to try to do this. And one of the things Vancouver's talked about is we know that we might need to help to facilitate to get this done, whether it's eating a percentage of the salary or taking a contract back, as long as it's not longer term than Besser, they'll consider doing all that. So to me, that's the flexibility. And it's also just the fact that I think they really do want to move on Besser if they can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Carolina, to me, that's just obvious that they're all in it to win it. And that creates the master flexibility for them. Jeff, the other thing I'm looking into this week is I just wonder where Edmonton is. I think they are kind of looking around. What do they have to do with Pugliarvi? How do they make sure they have the room to do what they want to do up front and potentially defensively? So the Oilers are a team I'm watching because I think they've tried to get there. I did mention earlier, I want to make sure that I get to it here. Anything happening with the Players Association? And do we know if they're even voting right now for their new executive director? We talked plenty about Marty Walsh on the last podcast. Anything new cooking in the last couple of days with the PA? I had heard they were going to start voting on Friday, but in the few minutes I had a chance to look into this on the weekend, uh, people said we cannot answer that question. Nobody was confirming, put it that way. Well, I'll tell you this. Someone actually said to me that there were people, and I don't know who, if they were people who work in the PA or they were players, they didn't even like the fact that we knew that there was an executive meeting called. Like they wanted this whole thing to go by, like basically just drop the announcement on our laps without even knowing that they called a meeting or anything like that. Right. I said, you know, that's really hard to do because people talk and, and they said they know that, but for that reason, they didn't even, I don't even think they wanted to confirm the vote. This is a really interesting one because like we talked about in the last pod, like there are some people who are really unhappy with all this, mm-hmm. but it's hard to tell how widespread that goes because everyone's trying to keep a real lid on it. Elliot, something from last week we should probably mention too, and that is uh, something with the Ottawa Senators organization. Now, their American Hockey League affiliate is in Belleville, and last week they relieved Troy Mann of his head coaching duties. Dave Bell takes over behind the bench. This was after a win against the Rochester Americans and caught 
a lot of people by surprise and there are mm-hmm. a lot of questions and I don't think there are a ton of answers out there right now. Like at various points this season, and you hear this about coaches like all over the place and sometimes you put stock in it and sometimes you don't. You know, there were a couple of times this year that I was told, you know, watching Belleville, you know, Troy Mann might be in a little bit of trouble. That's common, but I just want to make sure that it's out there that as much as it did catch people by surprise, it's not as if it hadn't been whispered at least a few times over the course of the season. Last time I heard it was somewhere, and I can't remember if it was right before or right after Christmas time, but it was somewhere in that in that zone. Yeah, you you had mentioned that you'd heard this was a, a potential thing, and that's you were one of the first people I thought of when it was announced because you'd said keep an eye out for this, and then it happened. But there's a couple of things here, and they wanted to make that change quick because they made it right after a game, right? A game that they won. A win. E. Carbon was fired as coach of the Canadians after a win. Like to me, if you win or lose a game, it doesn't matter. It's if you if you have a decision that you've made, you make your decision. But the timing was a little weird. And you know, the release specifically quoted uh Ryan Bonus, the assistant general manager who runs Belleville, about systems, systems being the issue. And couple of things I had heard was, you know, I I heard that there were some questions about players coming up. Was the American Hockey League team and the NHL team, were they on the same page about what these players were supposed to work on or or how they were supposed to be prepared down there? I, I heard there had been some issues with that. I think where this made a bit of a wild turn was a report and, you know, Claire Hanna was the first person to report it about the possibility that there was some sort of industrial sabotage here, that he was giving away uh, secrets. So I got a call from a friend of mine who does employment law. And, you know, he said to me that he's reading this press release and he heard about that report. And he said that if it was his client, he would be all over the senators to clean this up. Because as far as we know, Troy Mann did not get fired for cause. That's number one. Number two, the team press release doesn't indicate anything about cause. Mm -hmm. It says specific philosophical differences. And he said to me, does this guy want to coach in the NHL or the AHL or in hockey again? I said, yeah, I think he does. He goes, you have to come out right out and demand that your name gets cleared on this because it's going another year under contract. So if they're paying him, they're going to have to pay him for the year. You're hoping that maybe he, it gets offset because he gets a job somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But if there's this kind of accusation hanging over you, Jeff, who's going to hire you? The difference between that report, which I'm not saying is wrong. I'm just saying I, I don't know. The difference between that report and the statement is so pronounced and the reputational damage that can cause. Like Buddy was saying, like if he's Troy Mann and that's not true, he's getting a lawyer on that right away and he's making the team come out and say, that is not true because that's damaging to your reputation. Yet as of right now, as you record this, Elliot, that hasn't happened. Like a statement hasn't come out, but we don't know that he's right. not fighting to protect it. You know, we'll, we'll see here because you can't let that one hang on you. Honestly, I don't think this one's done. Yeah. This one is just not an open and shut philosophical differences. We're deciding to go in a different direction. Yes. This one feels like that this one's not over, that there's still more coming. Yeah, I I agree with that 100%. 
Elliot, before we get to this Elias Pettersson interview, a couple of teams uh, keeping eyeballs on the New York Rangers with a couple of call-ups and the Blackhawks. Sounds like some decisions on the horizon here. Yes, I, I do think we're going to get closer to, I mean, we're within four weeks of the trade deadline, right? So I do think in, in some time in the near future, we're going to get some clarity on Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and, and what their plans are, um, how they feel about the deadline. I don't know how to handicap Taves at this point in time. I'm not sure about Kane. Again, I, I was talking to a couple people, just guys who played against him recently down here at the All-Star break. And, you know, they can see he's really gutting it out. He's not 100%. And, you know, a couple of them said they, they really gave him credit for trying to play through it, whatever it is that's bothering him, although we all suspect it. But, you know, what this one player said to me is, you know, you can really tell that he's not Patrick Kane. Although, again, he really praised him for the effort that he was making to do it because he knows that the, the Blackhawks are probably counting on it. The other one I'm curious about, and we might know the answer by the time the podcast comes out, you know, the Rangers are at 23 players right now. They called up Blade from his conditioning set and... Will Cooley, too. Yeah, so it's interesting to me that the Rangers are at 23. They don't really need to do that, and they could protect the cap space, too. So I'm curious to see what they're going to be up to with this. Things to keep an eye on. Okay, quick break here on the podcast. When we come back, you'll hear from Elias Pettersson, who we sat down with last Thursday on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. Really interesting interview. He's a fascinating guy. Congratulations, Pettersson, on the hardest shots. Um, We'll ask some hard questions of Elias Pettersson when the podcast returns. All right, get it before it's gone. Visit the Sportsnet shop to get your 32 Thoughts merchandise. That's hoodies. That's teas, crewnecks, even a coffee mug that changes color when you fill it up with your go-to warm beverage. Visit www.shopsportsnet.store to get your 32 gear today. www.shopsportsnet.store All right, a smoky break for our Thoughtline partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. With meats prepared and smoked in-house, it's no wonder why they're Canada's home for barbecue. Check them out, and as Elliot always says... Try the ribs. Yes, their ribs are smoked in-house every day until they fall off the bone. And don't forget, Montana's has all-you-can-eat ribs Every Wednesday. Head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar and take the all-you-can-eat rib challenge every Wednesday. Smoking good barbecue only at Montana's. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. Okay, Elliot, Elias Pettersson. I think a lot of us have wondered what the future is with Elias Pettersson now that Bo Horvat is a member of the New York Islanders. Uh, the uh, Vancouver Canucks can negotiate um, with Elias Pettersson in the offseason. Uh, we've wondered about, you know, friction with players like JT Miller, for example. And I think we've all sort of wondered, you know, where is Elias Pettersson's head at right now with the Vancouver Canucks? Before we play this interview, this beach interview, part of our beach series, I'm calling it, Elliot, mm-hmm. uh, what did you expect to hear from Elias Pettersson? Well, number one, I, I just want to say that I think the video is hilarious. <laughs> First of all, uh, Amal and Nick, who shot this, did a great setup on the beach where you and I were sitting in a cabana 
he was given a beach chair reclining lounging. Beach chair. And he took the option, man. He just lied right down and made himself comfortable. I tip of the cap. It was a bold yeah. move. Uh, very impressive. And by the way, that the the video that Elliot's talking about, that'll be available a little bit later on this afternoon. If you're listening to this on Monday, check out the uh, Sportsnet YouTube channel. Sorry, finish your thought, Elliot. Yeah, no worries. But I tried to ask him some questions that a Vancouver fan would want to know. And ultimately, the fans out there will tell me if I succeeded or not. But there's some people you listen to what they say, and there's some people you you listen to and look at how they say it. And I think Pedersen is option B. I think the, the cues for Pedersen about how he feels about things, like, are his pauses. Oh, yeah. For me, it's almost how he says stuff. Like, sometimes does he think about the question before answering it, or does he, or does he know what he wants and he says it right away? Like, there's a couple times in this where he answers the question right away, and there's a couple times where he pauses because he's thinking, I better make sure I say what I want to say here properly. Yeah. And for me, that's that's what I think about. There's a few long pauses. We left those in deliberately. So don't think that yeah. there's anything wrong with your podcast. Like just if, if it's quiet for a second, that's okay. Lean in. Yeah. Uh, because he's just thinking about how he wants to answer. One, two, one, two. Give it a little more. That's Let's get right to it. Here he is, Elias Pedersen of the Vancouver Canucks on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Beachside. Alongside Elias Pedersen of the Vancouver Canucks, and we like to make sure that our guests are very comfortable, so I hope this is uh, an enjoyable, relaxing experience here for you today, Elias. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. It's been a emotional season so far for the Vancouver Canucks. The stories are up and down and waves and crests and troughs. How would you describe this season from your perspective? What's it been like? Uh, it's been, I mean, like you said, it's been up and down. It's been uh, also an emotional roller coaster with everything. We started season seven straight losses, and then we picked it up, and then coaching change and other stuff off hockey. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to focus on what I can control. I asked one of your teammates about you. He said, stoic, patient, doesn't give away much but sees everything, and you process everything. Like, what have you seen this year? Um, what have I seen this year? Yeah, I've, I think it's uh, the group has been, maybe lately, uh, there's been a lot of outside noise, and I think we have a good group that we can play well, but we haven't come up to the standards we obviously want. Um, so it's a great group, but um, yeah, we haven't lived up to the standards. I think the number one question that every Canuck fan has and wants to know is, are you happy? Like they worry, they want to know that <laughs> I'm happy. Uh, they want to know, like they want to know you're yeah, going to be a Canuck for a long time. No, I, I'm happy. I mean, I love, I love the city. Uh, it's a great place to play. And obviously, the Canucks fans are passionate, and uh, and which I like. So yeah, I'm happy. There's a lot of talk about now that Bo Horvat is with the Islanders, who the next captain yeah. of the team is going to be. And listen, your name, your general manager talked yeah. about it. Your name's top of that list. How do you feel about that? No, I feel good. I mean, we haven't had any 
discussion about that yet, but we have some about they wanted me to have a more leadership role, and I'm very happy to hear that. But for me, I don't want to stress into anything because it's not the easiest task to do, to be a to a captain. And I mean, I saw both firsthand <laughs> get all those questions after every practice, almost, and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you don't look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just wanna, I just wanna. When I make a decision, I just want it to be the right one. I don't want to stress into anything. Just the team itself. When you look at what you need, what do you think it is? Obviously, we gotta. We need to get our defense defense better. I think we're scoring a lot of goals, but we're letting it as many, if not more. So I think we gotta definitely gonna get better in our D zone with the structure and everything. I think we'll have the guys, but we just got to clean up the... More detail-oriented? Yeah, more details, more rules, uh, because we usually get stuck uh, in the zone, and, yeah, they seem to score pretty easy goals sometimes. So, we, yeah, we got to get our defense. Better. Has Rick Tocca changed much? Has he demanded differently anything new he's asked for? Just going to keep everyone accountable. I uh, demands hard work, and... Uh, so far, it's only been three games, but he likes to show a lot on the board, like small tips or to teach us stuff. So I think that's been been good. And I think now over the break, when we get back, we'll have some more things to to work on and how they they want us to play. You know, they're they're still chanting Bruce. There it is in Vancouver. I'm curious, what was your relationship like with Boudreaux? What did he expect out of you as a player? How did you resonate with your former coach? Yeah, Bruce been great for me. Uh, he came in uh, last year when I wasn't playing my best, and first off, he was like, "Just, I mean, I know you're a good player, but just, I just want to work hard and have fun." <laughs> so when he said that, and I got more comfortable, and I eventually I found my game last year, and and then uh, so my relationship with him, I tons of respect for him, and obviously he helped me a lot last year. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is: There's a lot of rumors about your relationship with JT Miller. Is it good or bad or what? How would you describe it? I want to hear it from you. Yeah, it's it's good. Uh, I mean, we had a differences maybe in some games but I mean he's a teammate that I respect and um, yeah he's someone I like to play hockey with and, uh, and yeah there's a lot of speculation obviously a lot but uh, he's a teammate I respect. This is not an issue? It's not an issue. Okay. How would you describe him to people that don't know him? I mean you've seen him on the on the ice he's a skillful player um, but he's a um, I don't know if if the emotional is the right word, I mean, he wants to win so bad, and sometimes he, he maybe gets too hot-headed, if mm-hmm. that's the right word, but he's he cares a lot and just wants to win. Do you think we're crazy? Like, the, some of the stuff we talk about and some of the stuff you hear that gets talked about, do you ever look at it and say, this is bananas? It's... Uh, I don't watch it enough to... <laughs> So I don't hear all the craziness, but uh, <laughs> I don't really read a lot online or watch stuff. I barely watch TV. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty 
straightforward play video games with my friends and hang out that's okay mostly what i do that's a nice way of saying yes you think that some of this stuff is crazy i really <laughs> I appreciate that. that no I, that. I, that's the reaction i so away from the rink mm -hmm. you said video games yeah. we were talking before you said you like to cook you're yeah. you're a cook what do you do like what what's the kind of stuff that you like to do just i'm very easy person i obviously video games i play video games usually Almost every day with my friends back home. Back home. Back home. Yeah, yeah. my back home. My friends. Back what's home your like? What What do you guys play? Like, what's play your play NHL? Mm -hmm. Like NHL. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called. You play three on three or sometimes five versus five. But um, and also I play Call of Duty with the friends back home too. Okay, and are you good? Like, do you win a lot? I'm decent. Yeah, I'm <laughs> decent. I'm pretty alright. But uh, my friends are. They're okay, but there's always a good time playing with them. Do you make a player like yourself? Like, do you have a Pedersen kind of player? No, I, I'm playing defense. Oh, I okay. need to play defense. Yeah, otherwise, there's a lot of goals <laughs> in the other end. <laughs> <laughs> and you said cook. What's your specialty? What do you make? Um, cook a little bit of everything. Everything mm -hmm. from fish to steak to chicken. Um, I, I follow a food plan in the summer, so I just you should take those dishes and do it. Do you have a Pedersen steak? Like, do you have a steak that you make for yourself? No, not no. a not a specialty. I always do. I'm pretty straightforward when either cook it in pan or on the grill. Okay. Uh, last year, no NHLers at the Olympics. World Cup has been postponed. When we finally do see NHLers at either a World Cup or Olympics, you're going to be a big part of it. Your thoughts on international hockey? NHL is one thing in the Stanley Cup, and then also playing for your country. How do you how do you rank those things? Stanley Cup, Olympic gold, World Cup. What's important to you? I'll say Olympic first because it's been been going on for years and obviously there's so much history, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I want to play Olympics, such a big event. And then I'll say Stanley Cup after. Bigger win, Finland or Canada? Canada. Really? You'd rather beat Canada than Finland? Canada is, uh, they say it's the home of hockey, so. But, oh, <laughs> putting me on the spot there. Oh, but I also no, want okay. to, I also want to, you're not, you're not the first you know, Swedish player that we've asked that question to, and they've answered exactly the same. Yeah. We all think that, oh, the natural enemies are the Finns, and every Swedish hockey player we talked to said, no, no, I want to beat Canada. Yeah. I think, yeah, obviously, it's always going to be the, the, the neighbor rivalry with Finland, but Canada usually comes out on top on the big tournament. So, yeah. Your game. Is there anything you look at and say, that's what you're going to see next, or this is what I'm going to start doing more of and better? Um, obviously, I need to be better on the, in the face of that. That's one thing I want to get better at. But in the game, I'd say puck protection like be better at uh, small areas i get knocked over easily sometimes so i need i want to work on be able to hold off the fence make a guy do a cutback like extend uh, those sometimes uh last one for me who on the vancouver canucks do you think doesn't get enough attention I mean, you get a lot of attention, obviously. We mentioned JT Miller. A lot of players that get a lot of attention. Quinn Hughes. Who do you think we should talk about more? I mean, 
my first thought was gonna the guy just left, but uh, mm. <laughs> uh, but um, I think Shen, mm-hmm. the way he's uh, I mean now he's the all-time leader in hits. I think he's a he's a veteran, but like he comes with excitement of working hard every day. Uh, he's a great leader in the room. Um, always brings it. Would you ever say keep him? Don't trade him anywhere. Keep him. I'll pass on that question. But always, <laughs> yeah, I would love, I would love to keep him. He's a, he's an awesome guy, but I'm not making those uh, making those uh, decisions. I understand. So you know, I want to ask you about your shoe game, mm-hmm. your fashion. Yeah. What's your go-to? Uh, I like Nike. Mm-hmm. Are uh, you an Air Jordan guy? No, I'm. I don't know if it suits me. Mm. But th- there are some Jordan shoes I like, so I just gotta get over the obstacle of like, okay, I can pull it off. But usually, I like either Nike shoe could be Dunks, but uh, yeah, Nike is there. And suits or anything like that, or outfits? Is there anything in particular you really um, go for? Suits. You try to be. Uh, have a clean look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to um, sometimes mix colors. Casual clothes. I like oversized and vintage mm. and simple stuff. When I when I move over, I was all about. I need to buy all the expensive clothes because mm-hmm. I thought I was cool when I was doing that. But year two, I realized I grew out everything. Or year three, so I wasted a bunch of money on that. So <laughs> after that, I just start buying. Uh, I mean, cheap clothes. For but like, I uh, like the vintage T-shirts are cool. Like, do yeah, you, do that, you that's ha- what I like. Yeah, do yeah. you have one that you look at and say on a, on a day off, this is the shirt that's going yeah, on? Oh yeah, for Which sure. one is it? Like, what does it say on it? Uh, one has uh, Metallica on it. Nice. Yeah. Um, don't ask me any of their songs. No, it's uh, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of full Metallica fans out there. I don't. I don't see that as a negative. But I think the the T-shirt looks cool, so that's that's why I, that's why I bought it. Awesome. That's great. Thanks so much for this. Hope we made you feel comfortable. Made me feel very comfortable. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Okay, so that's Elias Patterson of the Vancouver Canucks. want to thank Victoria Ulrich from the Vancouver Canucks for helping set that one up. Much appreciated. Thank you. Closing thought on Patterson before we get to some voicemails and some emails. Elliot. I have a feeling I'm going to be listening to this one a couple of times. I just think that Patterson is the kind of guy you almost have to listen to it twice to to make sure you get the full meaning. Like, I know there were a couple questions in there where I was listening to what he said, and there was one where I actually didn't hear it, but I was processing it but well into you having asked the next question. Because I just think he's one of those guys who's very careful but very pointed. I really enjoyed talking to him. And I'll tell you this, I really appreciate his bluntness. He gives you an answer. It may not be screaming at the top of his lungs or very forceful, but he gives you an answer. Was that just your polite way of saying you ignore me when I'm asking questions? <laughs> not always. <laughs> Thanks to Elias Patterson and Victoria. Thank you very much for uh, hooking that up. Quick pause. We're back with your voicemails and emails. Okay, Elliot, we got a lot of emails about this. I got tons of tweets about this and probably some voicemails as well, but Amal hasn't shared them yet. Mm-hmm. I want to apologize for mispronouncing Newfoundland <laughs> on last week's podcast. Boy, did I hear it from Newfoundlanders. Apologies, apologies. You've been to Newfoundland, right? Yes. Oh, yes. See, I've never been. You should go. 
not that it's any excuse, but it is on my list. And I know exactly where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Terry Ryan's dad's house because he has like a WHA Hall of Fame in the basement. I've talked to Senior a number of times. Wonderful guy. Great storyteller. And it's like a Minnesota Fighting Saints Hall of Fame. And, and you'll love this one. Ken Reed told me this. Every person that goes to visit Senior's basement and listen to stories gets a puck nice i guess he's got like a big barrel of wha pucks and you're allowed to take one so um that's my trip that's out there one day okay 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca 1-833-311-3232 is the 32 thought line and that's where we're going to start with a voicemail from anonymous elliot here's anonymous hey jeff elliot so i was watching the nfl games this weekend and it got me thinking about the whole DeMar Hamlin situation. Has there ever been an instance in the NHL where a game has had to be canceled mid-game due to an injury or whatever? Yes. And if not, what would it take for a game to be canceled mid-play? Thank you. Happened a number of times, Elliot. The most recent one would have been Jay Bomeister with the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. Happened as well with, uh, with Yuri Fisher and happened with Rich Peverly in the Dallas-Columbus game. That game actually, and by the way, Rich Peverly is, if he's not on your radar as, you know, rising stars in the NHL amongst, you know, executive, that guy should be there. Um, The work that he's done with the Dallas Stars is exemplary, um, whether it's, you know, helping to to pick off Wyatt Johnson, although Joe McDonnell would have been on that file as well too. He's... Peverly's a rising star in, uh, in in management ranks. Anyhow, but that Dallas-Columbus game where Rich Peverly had his incident, that goes back to 2014. There's something really interesting about that game, which you know now that, of course, Rich Peverly is okay, we can, we can focus on. Do you remember Nathan Horton in that game? No, what's that? So Nathan Horton, playing for Columbus, scores at like two minutes or three minutes into the game. You know, Rich Peverly has his incident, his episode, and the game is stopped and the game is postponed. Mm-hmm. And then the NHL has to try to figure out what they're going to do for a makeup game. Are they going to just start it at the same time when, you know, the the official blew the whistle? Or do they go back and just play an entire game with the score being one nothing to start the game? And that's the way they decide to go. They replay the game. So it's a 60-minute regulation game with the Columbus Blue Jackets starting the game with a one nothing lead goal scored by Nathan Horton. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, Nathan Horton got injured. Was this when he got hurt and he didn't play again? He got hurt and didn't play. So his stat line for that game is Nathan Horton, no shots on goal, 0.00 of ice time, and one goal. Jeff, I say this with respect. I really do. Yes. You're the only person who could come up with this. The only one. I thought one. you were going to say the only person that would, would find that interesting. <laughs> no, I actually think it's pretty interesting, but I'm <laughs> nobody else would think of this. No, that's not true. This may frighten you, but there are plenty like me. There are plenty, plenty like me. Okay, this is John from Atwood. Why doesn't the NHL recognize the goals scored by the players from the WHA? The two leagues merged together, so why not recognize the history? If they did recognize it, the goals would actually be Gordie Howe, 985, Wayne Gretzky, 940, Hall, 913, Ovechkin, 812, etc. 
I think records are meant to be broken, but also believe history should be recognized. You know what I think in the, in this case, Elliot, I'm curious what you think. Mm-hmm. I think the, the word merged here is the problem because the two leagues didn't merge. The NHL absorbed four teams and it wasn't as if they brought the entire squad. Like these teams all got mixed up and they got absorbed into the NHL. This, I know some people want to position it like a merger, but this was not a merger of two leagues. This was the NHL bringing in four teams. Yeah, but that's not that got anything to do with the question. I actually, on some level, really do agree with that opinion. For example, when I look at Hockey DB, it's NHL totals and WHA totals. I kind of wish that they were all put together. Mm-hmm. However, I remember Andrew Ference made an argument to me once that playoff games should count towards your total. Because one, it's a badge of honor to make the playoffs. Yeah. And two, playoff games are harder. Like if you look at Ference's career, he played 907 NHL games. So he just misses a thousand. But he played 120 playoff games. So if you counted those, he'd beat 1,027. As you know, a thousand's a big number, important for a lot of players. Yeah. And I once brought that up with someone at the NHL, said, Well, what about this point? And They said, quite simply, the problem is, is that not everybody plays for great teams. And is it really a player's fault if they play for team, they play really well? If you're you're good enough to play like 900 games, but your team isn't good enough to make the playoffs. And well, I said, Myron was, you should have signed with better teams then. And the guy laughed. He said, no, (laughs) but like that's, but that's what it is. The opportunity isn't the same for everybody. I have no doubt on some level the NHL looks at the WHA and says, that's not us. They caused us a lot of financial grief in history because they made us pay players more, and we don't want to give them any more credit than we have to. But I know, for example, in, in playoff games and playoff totals, they say it's not fair. It's not apples to apples. Uh, here's one. Uh, this is from Lily from Detroit. Okay. I've been a listener for about three years now, and I don't think I've heard the story of how the podcast got started. We know you work together at Sportsnet and you have lots of coworkers. So how did the Jeff and Elliot marriage begin? Also Hmm. in one of my games, I made a breakaway pass to my teammate who got tripped and scored on the penalty shot. I definitely think I got robbed of an assist on that. Now that has happened to me, I agree with Jeff that we got to get this into the rule book. Did I ever tell you that there's one there's one manager in the NHL who listened to that discussion you and I had about that, about awarding assists on penalty shots mm-hmm. and really didn't like it. And so we argued back and forth and I'm, I'm just calling this up now. And this was the ultimate point that this manager made. He said, it comes down to this. Was there a whistle in between the pass and the shot? If there was no assist. And of course, on a penalty shot, there's a whistle between the pass and the shot. So no, no goal. That's what it came down to for this manager. Anyhow. Well, what I would say, because Lily is such a loyal listener, I support her position. So I don't support it because of you, Jeff. I support it because of <laughs> oh, Lily. Oh, very, very good. Very good. Uh, what I remember, and Amo will probably know that if my take here is wrong is that initially when the podcast idea was proposed to me and it was about three years into my time at Sportsnet, so that's about six years ago i was asked if i wanted to do it myself what i did was i listened to some podcasts that were co-hosted and i listened to some podcasts that were not co-hosted that were solo 
and I liked the co-host ones better. I just thought they sounded better. I thought if the chemistry was good, I thought it made a huge difference. And to be honest, I like bouncing things off other people. And the other thing, too, I said, Jeff, was I know that I get exhausted from writing at the time and the other things I was doing. I just didn't think that me doing a podcast for an hour was the best option for the podcast. And so they said, uh, can we give you some suggestions? And I would like to tell you that uh, they gave me 40 people before I settled on you. <laughs> but you were the first guy that they came to me with. Yeah. And I said that was no problem. To be honest, if Amal claims that I said this, I will deny it. Or any of you claim I said this, I will deny it. But it's actually worked out better than I could have thought. I just think that the different way that you and I look at things has really made the podcast better. Yeah, I annoy you. And people enjoy listening to me annoy you. So I think that's what, uh, <laughs> what really sparks this flavor. To me, it was, a, it was a conversation in the hallway at the CBC building. And I'd gone through a, a podcast breakup with Wyshynski. And uh, it's funny, too, because we were in the process of, it was me with someone else who's now employed with an NHL team and another person who's now no longer employed by Sportsnet pitching this new podcast when Scott Moore pulled me aside and said, hey, how'd you like to do a podcast with Elliot Friedman? And it took me about two seconds to say yes. And then Greg Sansoni called me and then we were off to the races and we were introduced to Amel, um, who's produced this whole thing. And to be honest with you, I, I had zero idea that it was going to have the longevity that it's had. Yeah, I don't think we had any idea. I thought, okay, this is kind of this is this is kind of cool. We'll do this for a couple of years, and you know, then you know, people will be sick of my insane takes, and we'll just move along and call it a day. But uh, listen, Lily, so far so good. We keep fooling them every week, a couple of times with some interviews thrown in. So I ain't complaining. Uh, real good question. Uh, really good question there. This is Mike from Pittsburgh, longtime listener, first time mailer. Uh, with the NHL trade deadline approaching, I had a thought. The idea was for true rental players where a team trades to rent an asset, not own. For example, Eric Carlson has a difficult uh, to move contract given the term and the cap hit. But what if a team is only renting him for the remainder of the season? So San Jose would trade Carlson for an allotment of picks and prospects to a team for the playoffs. But come July 1st, Carlson is a shark. Appreciate your thoughts. Great job, Amel. Great job, Jeff. I like Mike in Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know, it's it's an interesting idea. I don't know if San Jose would want to do that, but I think it's a really fascinating idea. I do. I, I like the creativity of it. I'm just not convinced that that's something the Sharks would want to do. And to be honest, I'm not convinced it's something that Carlson would want to do. Just be a strict rental by your team. That is like the player loan to another organization for a few months. We're yeah. going to loan loan you his services, but still retain the rights. Great emails, great phone calls. Uh, as always, thank you for participating. Uh, okay, hope your week is starting right. Um, it is back to NHL action this evening. And with that, we will bid you happy and good podcast. Hope you have a wonderful week taking us out today is a production project from London-based DJ Chog Burley. Stage name, Void Complete. The sound distills the techno roots heard in the 2000s UK house music era. From the very talented Void Complete, here's Hey, Look, I Know on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Enjoy. Enjoy.